0: what's up everybody and welcome to the apartment 113 podcast where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes my name is rob sanchez and this is episode 18 we're joined today by barry winsbury the founder of quantum hydroponics Barry has won a few awards for gardens grown with this system and has experience with different forms of hydro that led him to this solution. Connect with Barry on LinkedIn and look for a link in the show notes. Enjoy the show.
1: how's it going man thank you for jumping on the show yeah it's not too bad Um, it's great to pull you on the on the show and and to dig into some of your projects I don't think we've had anyone on yet with a, a deep hydroponics experience and it looks like you've been well into hydro for two decades or more how did you really get started on the hydro front
2: well when I first got my house back in 1983 was when I started cultivating, which first time was in the back garden, in the ground. And that was worse than watching paint dry. So uh, I thought, right, well, what's the next step? And I read up on hydroponics. So I thought, right, well, off I go. Here we go with hydroponics. And um, I was watching the UK industry because I saw that uh, companies were having trouble there. With their systems, uh, and I read up on root rot and everything like that. And they were looking to try and get rid of the root rot. And I had a sort of ambition to uh, build a commercial hydroponic system. So uh, in 1984, I started hydroponics. Started experimenting with different systems. I went through Evanflow, NFT, uh, DWC. I didn't get into aeroponics because that wasn't really about then so much. But, you know, I looked to build my own system. And then in 1999, that was when I discovered quantum hydro through, um, you could say, brainstorming with um, a group of friends. We got rather well smashed. And I had this um, vision of the hanging gardens of Babylon, which was where the idea of quantum hydro came from.
1: So taking some notes out of the ancients' books there with the hanging gardens. Um,
2: That's correct. I mean, it it goes back, they say, 3,500 years, but I think it goes back further than that because I'm into the ancient aliens as well. And to me, it's something that they left behind for us to discover. Um, What it's done is it's, it's brought out a new method of hydroponics, which I call nutrient trickling technique.
0: Um, before we
1: dig into the nutrient t- trickling technique there um yeah. you mentioned a few different types of hydro that our listeners might not be familiar with um nutrient film uh, nft and then dwc was the deep water culture that's um, correct could you explain the differences between the nutrient film technique and the deep water culture process
2: well nft is like a flat table with sides on it and you get a a flow of water coming in at the top end, It's tilt, the table's tilted. You put a spreader mat, which they generally use um, like fibreglass matting, a very thin fibreglass matting, uh, and then rock wall blocks on top of that and a cover sheet on top of that, and it just flows down. But the trouble is when that flows down and the roots grow, the roots crisscross the table and it ends up getting pools of nutrients. And those pools of nutrient, they stagnate. And they cause pH fluctuations all over the place. And then uh moving on to DWC, um, I found that through um the High Times magazine at the time. They put a a toilet on the on the front cover of the magazine, which, you know, deep war culture is in, in, in the toilet. And I thought, fine, well, I'll give that a go, but as I was looking for a commercial system, I wanted to er- eradicate the problems that they was having, and um, deep water culture got rid of a lot of the problems. But you've got a huge amount of huge volume of water with, with each system. You just have so, to
1: deal with that toilet at that point, huh?
2: Yeah, well, you know, you're using buckets of nutrients, so you're using fifteen liters of of nutrient in each bucket to keep it bubbling, and then. When you come to a nutrient change, if you've got thousands of plants, that's thousands and thousands of litre of water.
1: So It's way, not efficient at the end of the day. Right.
2: Huh? Not in the way for um, commercial hydroponics.
1: Right. <laughs> and then ebb and flow was the third one you mentioned. And ebb yeah. and flow would be with a tray that is more stable, right? Not like your NFT. And you just fill that tray and allow the plants to drink.
2: That's right. What you do is you you set two different levels of one with a, a pipe about four inches up. So when it fills up, you can keep the flow going and it'll go down the hole and exit. So you've got a flow running around. And then when you let the water out, it all drains down. But then when it drains down, it ends up like a beach. So it sort of dries out and that's where you get your stagnating and things like that coming into it.
1: You'd so, have some more pH like, fluctuations and, and yep, issues
2: there. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, and root rot and things like that. So I thought, right, well, we can't do that one either. And so I moved on again. Uh, I tried sort of Dutch buckets as well. Uh, but that's, to me, that's passive hydroponics. All you're doing so is then, you're restricting the plant's growth.
1: Ah, uh, right. So it actually doesn't give them the freedom to to thrive or to become what they could.
2: Well, this is what they're using nowadays. They're using rock wall blocks and drip emitters. They'll be using buckets with growth medium in cocoa choir, pebbles, or whatever. But all they're doing is drip feeding the plants, and it's restrictive to the plants. They're not allowed to grow to their full capacity.
1: Um, Yeah, the the grow that I was working in, we used a drip feed system as well, and... Kind of a homemade one too. We had to push these 50-gallon drums around full of our nutrient solution and we had a fish tank pump submerged down in there to feed our drip systems. Yeah, uh, so yeah. it was a very rudimentary hydroponic system, but um, I could see some of the restriction there. We would have some root issues or some, plant, some yeah. certain cultivars that just yeah. wouldn't thrive under that yeah. regime.
2: Yeah, I can understand all that because... I've seen it, and this is what they're suffering with nowadays. You know, I mean, you've got plants with with moulding and and all sorts of things going on because the plants just not that good. Some people get it good, you know, um, and you've got individuals that use aeroponics and have good good yields.
1: And aeroponics, then, since we're defining everything on the way, aeroponics would be actually aerating um, some of the nutrient solution and pushing that air through pipes that the roots are. Are down into right putting a aeroponics. fine mist
2: aeroponics they've got a fine mist inside the container and the roots hang down and you know they, they get in, involved in that fine mist when they're picking up their nutrients that way and
1: that's one that it, i've not i don't have a lot of experience with it seems very difficult to set up and run correctly
2: well what you do is you, you end up getting trouble with the drip with the spray emitters they end up clogging up uh, and then you have to so flush keeping them out. That
1: mist fine,
2: Yeah, keeping the mist fine. So again, that was another cancellation towards a commercial uh, system.
1: So you've taken all these, all these kind of known methods and techniques, and put them into the funnel, and quantum hydroponics has come out on the end. Could you explain that that thought process a little bit, and then give us the rundown on on your on your workflow, and maybe how that mirrors the Babylon Hanging Gardens?
2: Well. When I I saw the the Hanging Gardens of Babylon in, in, in my sort of vision, I see it as a staircase. And when roots grow down the staircase, they're not going to follow the contours. They're going to leave air gaps. So that means that when water flows down there or nutrient flows down there, it's going to trickle over the roots. And when it trickles over the roots, that causes friction and my first thoughts were i'm not a scientist and this has never been scientifically investigated but i thought it's static and i thought well perhaps there's a static charge inside the system because it's all plastic and is that causing this great uptake of water because i mean (laughs) They, they use an incredible amount of water, but then the they grow incredibly fast and they grow incredibly strong. Um, then it took a long while because I've got bipolar disorders and when I first checked the system, I thought, oh, yeah, pH is fine. Yep, yeah, pH is fine. Ended up throwing it out the window. Don't bother about pH. I just followed DEC. So ah,
1: right.
2: I, I live in a hard water area. And so I used the hard water formulation of nutrient, which has got pH-buffered acid in it. So a little bit later on, some chap said to me, he said, well, would you do a test showing, a trial showing the uh, pH as well? So I thought, okay, fine. So I went out and got another pH meter. I I don't like pH meters because they're a real pain in the backside because you have to keep calibrating them and everything like that. So I did my pH, and I thought, oh, I wondered why I was getting slight fading on the leaves. My pH was running at 4.36. It's a little low, I thought, right? Oh, what am I going to do here? So I sort of thought about it a little bit. I thought, well, I've got to change things. So I ended up putting a soft water nutrient in, which has got no pH. It's not pH buffered. So my pH But do you think the lack off-
1: of that buffer? the lack of the added pH buffer allowed you to f- get that fine line or manipulate the nutrients a little better?
2: Well, what happened was was the, um, the pH starts When you first added your water and your nutrients, the pH starts off around about 7.2, 7.3. Then after about 48 hours, it starts dropping. And after 72 hours, it's down to 6.35. And it remains there very stable. When you top up, it might go up to 6.5, 6.6. Next day, it's back down to 6.35. I thought, well, that's close enough to the sweet spot for me. I don't need to turn around. I don't like any additives if I can help it. So it's a self-PHing system. I used it out in Zimbabwe, and the same results out there. Starts off at 7.2, 7.3, and after three days, it's down to 6.35 and remains stable. So... It's the only system out there that actually self-PHS and you only need an EC meter to keep it running well. And the parameters have increased as well.
1: Would that Um, that only apply to hard water as your source? That way you have that extra calcium, magnesium that may need to be added in other systems?
2: Hard water or soft water, it still does the same thing. Because out in Zimbabwe, it's soft water.
1: Yeah, and then the the idea there to add as few additives as possible. I can see a few reasons for that. You know, financially, time consuming, consistency. Um, Any other reasons why you'd want to try to reduce the nutrient count or the additional uh, things you're adding to fine tune that pH?
2: Um, sorry, I missed that get bit there because. The pH just come out fine. It's just like I don't need to add any other chemicals or any other nutrients.
1: Oh, it's just not <clears> needed. <throat> I see.
2: You know, so that's it. It just doesn't get adjusted from there. So,
1: And um, does the quantum hydro model need a cultivation size of a certain minimum capacity to work then efficiently? Or can
2: it be scaled up or down? It can be scaled to infinity. But w- What I've got is a um, 10-foot by 4-foot bed that takes 50 plants. And then you just link the systems up. Um, Obviously, I haven't gone up to commercial scale yet. But to me, six systems in a row, 300 plants, each one with its own separate tank. It's going to be close to 70-foot long. So to me, that's big enough for most greenhouses And you've just got a separate pump for each unit. And then if you've got any problems, you're only losing one lot of plants. Not that it does cover any problems, because uh, if you do get a problem, there's a simple answer, and it's three words long. Change the nutrients. And it cures the problems.
1: Right, and then you can go to that specific tank for that tray. And, yep. and assess the problem there on the micro level without ruining a whole row or a, a room of, of plants.
2: Yeah, and and the other thing, because um, I run, after I developed the quantum hydro, um, I took it up to LinkedIn and basically got laughed off the platform for my idea of a commercial system. And then when I looked into the commercial scale and I thought, yeah, I can see why, because it would be hundreds and hundreds of pumps so this was when I went back to the drawing board and come up with the 10 foot by 4 foot of 50 plants. And strangely enough, the laughing stopped. And I thought, ooh, I'm onto the So right it kind thing. of reduce
1: the overhead cost of the system overall, huh? the energy consumption, the material cost.
2: Oh, it's, it's well, you, you've got no buying in and out and recycling of growth materials. You've got a complete, clean root structure ready to use after harvest which is a bonus product and nowadays roots contain 10 known cancer curing compounds so they're good for health shakes and things like that so that's going to have a market as well okay. i've not
1: had any products with cannabis roots in it but i know there are some therapeutic uses and different cannabinoids or compounds in the root we have to dig into that a little bit more on a future blog post maybe i'm, I'm not yep. too aware of some of those applications
2: yeah i mean that can go into creams and all sorts of things <coughs> excuse me
1: so it really helps to to keep the plant viable ready to use um and and uh, consistent
2: huh? yeah i mean what i've found as well with with the nutrient trickling technique it's it's increased the parameters of the ec um, i can I can run the plants from one point two e c It doesn't like going much much below that. oh it can go up to over three three point 3.3, it you know the e c truncheon that was flashing off the scale because i I was just running by eye and I thought, wow, well it doesn't really matter. I can just turn around and top my nutrients up and add a little bit less. And I was running by iron. I was getting perfectly good harvests until I come to this trial. And I looked, put my EC truncheon in, and it was flashing over the top. I thought, oh, I'm pretty high on my nutrients.
0: Running and a
2: little high. I've always used seeds to start off with. Seeds you can start off at 2.2 2 on EC. They don't have no problems. Cuttings go for about 16, 18, two or three days, and then take your nutrient up to two point oh, two point two. 2.2 and then it's fine.
1: But you prefer to start from so, seed. Is that is that because of the EC requirements that that's the preference, or are there other pre- other characteristics with starting from seed versus clone that you prefer? I know that the tap root <laughs> part of the seed is good. The different pheno options can be great.
2: It was just easier for me to turn around and start from seed the way, in where I was I growing. You know? I right. um, didn't really have the facility to keep. Cuttings for that long.
1: It takes an extra room and extra environmental controls, different yeah, lights um, even.
2: You get a better yield up from seeds, although it does vary up and down on the plants. But um, what I found from the self-phing thing is that I don't think it is static. I think what it is, it's called gaseous exchange. It's what what we do when we breathe. We breathe gaseous exchange. We we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. Plants breathe in carbon carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. So I think there's gaseous exchange going on in the water, and it's due to the um, the activity you could say of it going on because it's such an active system.
1: Yeah, that atmospheric <laughs> that, or that atmosphere above the water is really the exchange pool. And it's kind of create, has some water vapor, has different nutrient content. And that, that's kind of what's responsible for like fixing lakes and other bodies of water. So using that theory in the smaller pools.
2: Yep. Yeah. Fish like um, a good amount of gases exchange going on to keep the oxygen flowing in the water.
1: Yes. Yeah. Or I forgot what kind of lakes they're called when it gets stagnant. Um, For a while, I knew all these different types of lakes from a biology class in college. But unfortunately, that knowledge is not very useful. So it's fallen in the wayside.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So could you you
1: explain um, one of these systems? So for our listeners, imagining the quantum hydro solution, you've got your 50 plants per tray, and this can be scaled up to infinity. But then what does that one tray contain? Or what, what are the parameters now of that single tray system? You've got a tank and a pump feeding it. Is it a like a standard 4 by or a standard like 4 or 5 inch lipped tray?
2: No, set no. Set flat? Or
1: you set it at an angle?
2: It's tubes.
1: Ah, okay. So we are running in in tubes going down.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it's It's developed a bit further from that because once I developed the the five tubes, 10 plants in each tube, I then went on and thought a little bit further. And I've got another unit now, which is called the vegetator. Which takes, once I turn around and tool up, it will be 10 tubes. So we turn around and cover two systems with one system. And what that has allowed me to do is turn the greenhouse into a perpetual harvesting so if you've got say a thousand square meters that takes approximately 120 systems which would be 12 um sorry
1: the back of the envelope rows of math. six
2: <laughs> 20, 20 rows of six for 120 systems and then what you'd do, you'd start off two rows first week, two rows a second, two rows the third, all the way through to your last week. And then you'd come back and harvest your first week. In between this, your vegetator's working. So your vegetator, once you've got your plants up to flowering height, you remove the tubes and you take them onto the Quantum Hydro and you put them on there, and you can go into flower the same day because there's no root um, shock.
1: Right, so it's because it's the same solution or the same EC. Yeah,
2: it's the same. Everything's the same, So, but it's just the fact that you can transplant 10 plants at a time. So then when when you come to harvest, you cut your plants off, they go away for drying. You take your tubes out, they go away for root reclamation and cleaning. And then your vegetator brings you a new set of tubes in, and your your harvesting, you turn it, your harvest turnaround is extremely quick. You know Which yourself. Which is the name of the essential. game,
1: huh? Kind of maximizing the number of harvests you can get will yes. help to just up your overall volume for the year for the season.
2: That's correct. I mean, um, I, I would say you can probably do six, three hundred plants four people in about three hours.
1: And that's good timing there too, man. When I started cultivating, I was in Denver and a bulk of my job was transplanting and it took forever. Mixing the soil manually and then taking every plant and doing it one by one, fixing things up, it was a constant battle there. So anything to improve that or the labor cost that goes into transplanting, could be felt exponentially, right? Because those transplants exactly. are happening constantly.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it the size of the growth median that I use is a 50 mil net pot. That's all. And the, the net pot's going to be, once I go into production, the net pot will be going and it'll be an eco friendly alternative that will uh, go in with the roots once they get cleaned out and uh, there won't be no plastics involved.
0: No I see so system.
1: that's the kind of the next steps for quantum hydro <laughs> or for the solution.
2: And yeah. You that... ma-
1: so you mentioned working on a grow in Zimbabwe as well. How was that experience and how did that differ really from your uh, your home growing or your previous experience?
2: Oh, that was that was a little bit of a farce because um the chap took me out there, he turned around and said he had so many hectares under glass which he didn't have and he wasn't licensed for cannabis THC Uh
1: so Uh um,
2: uh, it was a little bit terrible so I ended up wasting about six weeks or so before we eventually got going and because I only had three months a visa that um, I had to come back home so we only got halfway through the trial but What the advantage was, was I learned how to grow out in the heat. Um, so I know what to do. And growing under the sun is absolutely fantastic.
1: Getting the that plants, full sun, right?
2: Oh, wow. It is just, you've never seen plants grow like it. They, they, they just grow totally different from being in, in, in a pot on the or rock wall blocks the way they're growing now i mean
1: kind of unhindered beneath the soil and then just getting all this that full spectrum sun above along with environmental hardships and stresses from that heat
2: yeah i think it really
1: helps to create a better profile like of cannabinoids right more terpenes more more good flavor and aroma
2: well when you talk about terpenes um when i developed the quantum hydro um, back in 2003, I entered um, a show in London, the National Gardening Awards, and that was well. Obviously, I couldn't put cannabis on, so I used um, herbs. Okay, but what great. I did was was I used a mixture of herbs, all grown in the same environment, and that was what got the judges. <laughs> they were amazed at the different terpene profiles of all the different herbs and how strong the terpene profiles were, considering they were all growing in the same environment.
1: Oh, so that's really the one of the winning pieces then, being able to express so much from the same base material, the same stock or nutrient.
2: Yeah, yeah you could turn around and mix and match your plants in there and it's not going to turn around and uh, make any difference.
1: It is the quantum hydro system something that can be made, would you provide the instructions to have others build that kit or is it something that you would prefer to source and build a kind of a supply chain around in the long term?
2: In the long term, once it starts, um, my first system, which I thought was going to be a commercial system, isn't. Um, What I've done is I've readapted it and turned it into a home-growing unit with six plants in it which would be ideal. USA allows six plants, doesn't it? So
1: Yeah, most states are going to let you have that six in flower.
2: That's right. So anyone disabled, they can have six plants on the floor, in their cupboard. You can actually run this through without even changing the nutrients if you want to, from start to finish.
1: Right. Or have you tested any autos in the in the home grow setup as well? I know yeah, the auto flowers that. don't require as much nutrient, so that could be even easier to maintain for a home grower.
2: Um, I I don't particularly like auto flowers. I did try them on there, but autoflowers do what they want when they want. They're yeah, they definitely plants.
1: got a mind of their own, huh?
2: Yeah, they, they sometimes will sit there and do look like they're doing nothing and then all of a sudden shoot up. And others will just grow at a normal rate. And they it was when you've got 50 plants all together, you can't have that sort of thing going on. You need 50 plants growing up evenly all together.
1: A consistent so, canopy and consistent response.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're great for people growing at home because you can turn around and, and have lots of different plants. And you, But I then they turn around and say, well, you leave your lights on 24-7. That's a huge waste of power you know, to me.
1: Definitely is, yeah. Uh, the auto, I have not tried autos at home yet, but I've got a actually a setup in progress to just give it a try with some auto seeds that I got from a conference here in the States. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think the jury's out on on what's preferable. I think it depends maybe on your home grow setup, on really the space mm. you have, the, the cost and things like that. So with your home grow solution, would you see selling that as a kit? all included
2: yes yeah that's going to be um a kit coming out it's six plants in a trough i have got a a single plant system as well but i'm not going to market that because of the root ball problems because you've got a a a pump inside a single pot and the roots get down and they do interfere with it so anyone Mm -hmm. who's growing at home unless they're experienced you've got to turn around and lift the plant out and get to your pump and give your pump a clean out because it's going to get infested with roots. There's nothing you can do to stop that.
1: Right, right. So it actually works a little, a little bit better with uh, some scale, up to that six plant count. Then you don't need to worry that, about cleaning the pump as it. much.
2: Six plants in a trough, you don't have to worry about the pump. The roots don't get down to it. But the commercial system is not going to be for sale as such that
1: would be more on a, a contracting or consulting kind of basis to set that up
2: well what what I what I was looking at was possibly a franchise or lease it and you know the reason why I've done that is I don't want to go into large corporations this is for to me it was for the the farmers
1: the craft growers <laughs> legacy cultivators the craft
2: growers. You know, craft growers are having problems with taxes and things like this, and they have problems with the black market. Now, if I keep quantum hydro to a lease or a franchise, then the black market's not going to get hold of it. So the guys who were doing craft hydroponics, they'd be able to protect their craft by having the bulk of hydroponics that can give them a lot of money, and they wouldn't have to worry about the, the black market being able to provide cheaper because they wouldn't be able to provide the quality that this unit can give them.
1: Right. I think that's definitely a solution there for commercial or licensed operators in the quality and in the consistency that one of those operations can put out versus an illicit market that may not be as high quality or may vary highly in, the, in that quality.
2: I think that there's a
1: big problem with illicit market in some states here in the U.S. right now where it's almost almost easier for an operator to profit, unfortunately, on the illicit side because of the tax breakdown and the margins always shrinking on operators. Plus supply chain pressures on getting all of your soil and things needed for cultivation, it makes it hard to justify the cost scaling too high uh, before you're... Just spending money, yeah, you're kind of spinning your wheels and draining your bank
2: account. Yeah, oh, I mean the other thing is the yields that Quantum Hydro will give. It will it will double the output of your facility.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that either, right? <laughs> the higher yeah, yields, the all. the more profit, <laughs> the more innovation well, and I creativity see, too.
2: Yeah, how I see Quantum Hydro is it's quality quant Quality, quantity, and consistency. Um, Quantum Hydro is, is a growing machine for cannabis. And if you look at a worldwide product, McDonald's, Costa Coffee, Starbucks, how did they get worldwide? Through machines. Because Automation
1: and consistency.
2: Yeah, consistency. Then that's what this industry has been looking for. Quantum Hydro will give you consistency that you'll be able to turn around and grow in Massachusetts and you'll be able to go down to Texas and you'll be able to get exactly the same product. You'll be able to go over to Vietnam and you'll get exactly the same product. And that's what consistency does. That's what machines do. So people who want to get break into a worldwide market, a worldwide brand, Quantum Hydro would be the thing because what it produces is what I call the brand, what I call Quantum Cannabis.
1: Hey, awesome, um, man.
2: Catchy yeah, I mean, there I, too. I, yeah, I've. Uh, yeah, it was quite catchy. Some people thought that as well. Um, I smoked cannabis from the age of 19.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask uh, about your consumption history and kind of how you came into a love of cannabis cultivation and you know, became an, inno- an innovator in cannabis tech.
2: Uh, it, it was seeing the industry struggling, which, you know, sort of made me, I've got bipolar disorders and I can be very uh, single-minded, if you like, and it's single-minded towards cannabis and pro- producing a commercial system.
1: Very focused on, on kind of solving that problem after you after you found it.
2: Yes. Yes, and then once I've discovered that I've found it, I thought, right, well, I, I've got to turn around and, and carry it on. Although I shelved Quantum Hydro in two thousand and seven because I didn't want it getting out to the black market in this country. Um, cannabis in this country is quite bad; they, they spray it with PGRs and all sorts. So,
1: so, so in the U, I, I- there's just no uh, no regulations around it, so illicit growers in the UK can do anything. Anything they'd like, huh, right. and still, yeah. and still sell, so. right?
2: They're they're poisoning our youth.
1: Yeah, that's one way to put it for sure. Is like I mean, improper flushes using fungicides and and everything yeah. else is not great to
2: inhale consistently or ever. No, no, that's why I've ended up giving up THC at the moment, and um, I've been smoking CBD and it, ordering it in from Italy. Okay,
1: and, so really leaning into the CBD, the more therapeutic aspects that are brought there um, rather than using potentially dangerous products, right? Yeah,
2: that, yeah, that's why I stopped smoking THC over here because it's so uh, dodgy, um, so inconsistent. Sometimes you can get some good stuff, but you still don't know what's been sprayed on it.
1: Yes, that is, that's kind of why I'm willing. Uh, I live in Las Vegas here where... There's definitely an illicit market, unfortunately, but the legal market is still ongoing and it's, it's highly regulated with test results being required, you know, COAs being attached to every harvest. Some of that safety of mind and transparency is, is needed. I think I'm at this point, I don't, I don't want to chance my health, I think on an illicit or gray market product, um, when yeah. I could have something that shows, you know, the heavy metals, it shows what's included and, and how the
2: product's been treated. Yeah, that's the trouble because the cannabis plant can pick up all sorts. It, it's, it's a hoover, isn't it? It will suck up whatever's there. If you've got it in soil, it's picking up particles that you don't really want it to pick up. Okay, so if it's in soil, you might get a slightly deeper flavoring, but you're getting the flavor of soil. We're not getting the flavor of the actual cannabis plant. To me, a pure cannabis plant is grown on MPK, and that's it. It doesn't have anything else to it.
1: It's not actually um, getting that terroir from the from the the local differences or from the soil medium differences.
2: Yeah, that's it. You you know you know yourself. Different craft growers have got different flavors for the same trying to plan
1: yeah in general here in the u.s and in canada i mean it's kind of a a, a known fact that okay if i'm growing blue dream here in las vegas it's not going to be exactly like the blue dream grown in florida or that grown outdoors yep. in humboldt county in northern california there's all those differences some growers are leaning into the difference there to use as their differentiator which I think there's some value there, but the consistency yep. of that quantum cannabis, I think is what allows you to scale and kind of recreate your brand in other markets or almost franchise your cultivation model.
2: That's, that's, what, that's the intention. That's the full intention of it. <clears throat> because, you know, if I'm going to come into you and say, right, well, you're producing 25,000 kilos a year, I'm going to put you up to 50,000 kilos a year. So what's what's my part worth to you? If I turn around and said, right, well, I want 15% of your bottom line for that, you're coming out 85% on top.
1: Kind of pays you know, for so itself over time there.
2: It will do. Um, I don't see it being like a franchise because franchises – the, the incoming part the path you've taken on the franchise has to pay for everything, advertising and things like that. To me, I would like to look at it but I come to you, I fit you out the equipment, and then you start paying me. It's not the case of like you pay me first of all, you pay me when you start producing.
1: Right, like so you you would really help to get the system set up, configured. Oh yes. And then yeah. as that uh, as that becomes operational or goes online. Then, uh, then start some kind of contract or or payment. That's there. it. The,
2: con- the contract to be drawn up. I mean, obviously, if I get someone first off, it's going to be they're going to get a better deal than down later on down the line because I know what's going to happen.
1: Hey, you guys yeah. heard it here first, right? Get get in there early while the getting's good.
2: Yeah, yes, uh, I I can see what's going to happen because I, I've smoked quantum cannabis since nineteen ninety nine. I smoke cannabis from the Emerald Triangle. I smoke cannabis from Thailand. Basically, cannabis from the world over. And in my eyes, there's nothing to touch what the Quantum Hydro can produce.
1: Still churning out that quality. Yeah. Excellent, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I think as I as I expand my own home grow operations, I'd be interested in trying out a little bit of that quantum technology. We'll have to talk a little a little here off the show yes
2: yeah but there's no doubt about it. we can do something about that
1: get a little trial run right <laughs> have you been have you been over here to the u.s or to canada to see the the industries
2: no no I, i've read up on it uh canada quite a strange do isn't it with the, the different size of uh cultivation that you can do
1: yes it's uh it's an awkward beast in Canada, but they got the federalization in, which is the good part. And now I think yes. some of the businesses and things are lagging. Um, I implemented some software for Canadian grows for a while, and I, the biggest one I saw was over a million square feet as a greenhouse. So they have some yeah, that's, that's big some gargantuan that's big. Uh, some gargantuan greenhouses that when they're operational or if everything's working and firing on all cylinders should create um, wonderful products, but I think that the Canadian scene is having some issues with quality there. And it's been a few years since I've been up north, so I'd, uh, if any Canadian listeners are out there, I'm not hating on your products too hard.
2: <laughs> well, that, that, that's it. I mean, everyone thinks it's easy to grow a cannabis plant, which it is. But it's not so easy to get that quality and the consistency, is it? You know.
1: Yeah, and making a brand, consistency is really the name of the game. Like if we, yeah. you know, like you mentioned Starbucks earlier, if I buy a Starbucks coffee today and I enjoy that and go back to buy another one but it's a different coffee. I mean, there's only so many chances you're going to take before you find a different brand or just solve that problem elsewhere. Yeah. I think that uh, there's a lot of improvements to go still on the on home grow, on commercial grow technology, but it's it's great to learn about quantum hydro and your your initiatives here to solve that problem for the world over. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you, Barry, and more about quantum hydroponics online?
2: Well, I'm um, I'm basically on LinkedIn at the moment. Um, I haven't got a website running, but there will be a website running. Once, you, once I start uh, cultivation, because what I want to do is build a showcase facility to uh, show an example. And once the showcase facility is up and growing, then I'll be producing COAs that people can see and they'll be able to see the quality of the product.
1: Kind of use that um, as a case study to prove the, prove yes. the product. Yeah, that's great. yeah
2: Yeah, proof of the pudding, yeah.
1: Hey, well, I'm looking forward to see what's coming out of Quantum, and um, we'll definitely talk shop here off off the show. But thank you again for jumping on and and giving us the lowdown, man. It's It's very interesting to learn about.
2: No problem. Thanks very much for inviting me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show and our range of services, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis operations consulting, agile product management, and connoisseurship services. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.